Chapter Eight of The Widow Married: A Sequel to The Widow Barnaby by Francis Milton Trollope. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Eight: Our Native Land, The Happiness of Returning to It, A Visit to the Custom House with a Sketch of Female Sufferings Not Unusual There, Miss O'Donagough's Filial Feelings Explained at length the boat was alongside which was to convey my heroine her husband and daughter to those dear dirty steps beside the custom-house of london the stumbling up of which has occasioned joy and gladness to so many hearts our party had of course a considerable quantity of luggage to remove and to this mr o'donagough gave pretty nearly his whole attention but somehow or other his wife and daughter got safely into the boat in the midst of it and the whole freight after the usual quantity of noise and bustle was securely rowed to the landing-place and disembarked at last patty exclaimed mrs o'donagough on reaching the highest step here we are oh how glad i am that we have done with that beastly ship if the sight of every rope in her did not make me as sick as a cat i'll be hanged come dear get on you must not begin staring yet bless you child this is nothing but the very nastiest outskirts of london there is nothing here worth opening your handsome eyes upon patty come along come along there goes your father into the custom-house as i take it and we had best stop outside and watch the men bring up the rest of the goods lord what a quantity they do carry to be sure there goes my bandbox if your father had not been a fool he might have contrived to smuggle that but i never will forgive him if he does not bring it out again this minute past or not past as he calls it have it i must and will to all this patty made no answer whatever she was too much occupied and preoccupied to care for anything her mamma could say in fact her thoughts were revolving with the regularity of a shuttlecock between two battledoors from the kiss jack had given her off sheerness to the busy throng moving in all directions round her after an interval so short as to prove that mr o'donagough was a practised and a skilful traveller he was seen to emerge again from the portal of the custom-house when his wife who was stationed close to it pounced upon his arm with genuine conjugal approbation a manoeuvre by the way well described by shakespeare when he says she arms her with the boldness of a wife and exclaimed what a time you have been o'donagough where is the bandbox why surely you have not come away without it you know as well as i do that i must have it and i'll bet a thousand pounds that is exactly the reason you have left it no my dear it was not i assure you he replied with very business-like composure it was because the custom-house officers would not let me bring it on account of the sweetmeats sweetmeats mr o'donagough then why did you not let them take out the sweetmeats you know perfectly well though now you pretend to look exactly as if you had never heard of it you know that it is not the sweetmeats that i want but my dressing-box i declare to heaven i would as soon have an owl look after my things nonsense said mr o'donagough composedly i am going to call a coach for you i shall tell the man to drive to the saracen's head and there you must order dinner and beds no upon second thoughts my dear you had better order tea it makes as i well remember a monstrous difference in the bill and we may eat you know exactly as much cold meat as we like here mr o'donagough held up his finger to a hackney coachman as readily as if he had not been beyond reach of any such luxury for nearly fifteen years 
but when with a hand applied to his young daughter's elbow he was in the very act of assisting her to mount the uncertain steps he was startled by the voice of his lady exclaiming within an inch of his ear how can you o'donagough be such a fool as to make believe that you think i shall go off without my bandbox i shall not stir a step without it and that you know what a thing it is to have a man belonging to one that can't look after such a trifle as that but it is no matter i can do it myself and with these words mrs o'donagough rushed into the custom-house with the aspect of a tigress seeking her young there was the same thrusting forward of the lengthened neck the same eager starting of the protruding eye and who shall say that there was not the same throbbing emotion at her heart mr o'donagough very improperly gave his daughter a look that seemed to say did you ever and having desired her to sit quietly in the hackney-coach till they returned he followed the wife of his bosom with long but deliberate strides as she won her way to what appeared the most busy part of the vast edifice he overtook her just in time to hear her say with astonishing dignity though panting for breath pray sir will you be pleased to inform me if it is here that the passenger's luggage from the atalanta has been deposited the man who is now passing down the room ma'am can tell you was the reply away flew mrs o'donagough after the individual thus indicated but the man moved quickly and it became speedily evident that she must raise her voice to overtake him will you tell me where the luggage from the atalanta is stowed screamed the flying lady at the very highest pitch of her voice but this effort also was in vain for a multitude of other sounds blended themselves with the voice of mrs o'donagough and the official hurried on vexed heated weary but more determined than ever to perform what she had undertaken if only to prove how wretchedly inefficient in all such matters her husband must be she continued to run on with all the velocity that a heavy cloak and the ample volume of her own person would permit till at length the man she was pursuing stopped and at the same instant her eye caught sight of the bandbox the abduction of which from the boatman who brought them on shore had caused her so much inquietude this is it this is the box i want sir she exclaimed extending her arm to seize her recovered treasure by your leave ma'am said another official taking hold of it with professional firmness but perfect civility it is going this way it can't go that way sir i must have it i do assure you it is perfectly impossible for me to get into the coach without it and i am quite confident that as a gentleman you can't refuse to let me take away such a trifle as this one bandbox it has been looked into said another officer and is crammed full of sweetmeats it must pay duty dear me pay duty sir for a dressing-box i don't care a straw for the sweetmeats comparatively speaking and mr o'donagough must of course pay the duty if he chooses to have them all i ask for is my dressing-box and i shall think it a most disgraceful thing to the english nation if a lady is to have her very dressing-box taken from her the moment she puts her feet on english ground i am sure the very savages themselves would know better and what's more i don't believe it is legal to seize it for i have used the same and no other for years and years and you may depend upon it that if there is anything illegal in the matter the thing won't pass without notice my connections are not in a rank of life to permit anything of that kind it may be all very well for common people to have their property snatched out of their hands this way but it won't do for the aunt of general hubert mr o'donagough who had by this time reached her side stood with more nonchalance that was quite amiable while his indignant wife thus exerted herself nay some persons might even have suspected that he was base enough to quiz the vehement energy of her pleadings 
for not only did he remain perfectly silent but now and then exchanged such a look with the individual with whom she was contesting the legality of the transaction as might have easily been construed into joining in the laugh against her fortunately for the preservation of the king's peace on the spot sacred to the collection of his own customs mrs o'donagough was too completely occupied to be aware of this and it was only when at length she ceased to speak that she perceived her husband beside her i do wonder mr o'donagough she then began how you can stand there like a statue without ever uttering a single syllable good bad or indifferent i do believe you are the only man in the whole civilized world who would let all the trouble of travelling fall upon his wife in this way pray sir do make the people understand that the coach is waiting for me and that it is impossible i should go without my dressing-box why my dear you and i don't do business in the same way pray sir how long will it be before our things can be passed these are the articles in this corner just one dozen packages great and small when will they be looked over within an hour sir now then my dear make up your mind will you wait here yourself one hour till you can see the whole lot sent off or will you go on to the saracen's head and leave me here to get it done or will you prefer my going with you and returning here again after i have seen you and martha safely lodged there is hardly anything in the world so provoking when one has worked oneself up to a considerable degree of energy as to be made to perceive as plainly as that two and two make four that no energy at all was necessary mrs o'donagough would at that moment have given anything short of her dressing-box if without danger she could have bestowed upon her husband a good cuff but she restrained herself and only replied oh pray do not trouble yourself to go with us i am sure i hope there is nothing going to happen in which you could do any good stay if you like and as long as you like and let all the things be seized one after another without putting out your finger to prevent it i don't care a straw about it it would be convenient certainly for me to get my dressing-box before i go but as you do not choose to take any trouble about it of course i must submit few gentlemen i fancy would like to see their wives treated in this sort of way particularly about a thing that i took out of england myself years and years ago however i shall say no more about it i know the transaction to be perfectly infamous in every way and that's all i have to say on the subject general hubert or lady elizabeth either will be able to tell me whether it will be worth my while to take any further notice of it the importance of the thing itself is comparatively nothing but no man of spirit i presume would choose that his wife should be treated with fraud and indignity that's all i wish to observe this speech was intended for all within hearing but it is doubtful whether any one besides her husband heard a syllable of it there is perhaps no place in which the constitutional propensity of the gentler sex to relieve their full hearts in words is endured with more unresisting passiveness than in scenes of active public business the stream is generally permitted to flow on without let or hindrance and if as usually happens no attention is paid to it the obvious reason lies in the judicious earnestness of the functionaries to perform the ladies wishes without pausing even to listen to their eloquent expression of them mrs o'donagough waited a few seconds for an answer but receiving none either from her husband or any one else she turned suddenly round upon a person actively engaged in the examination of a host of trunks just arrived from france and said am i to have my dressing-box sir or not the man looked up at her for an instant but pursued his employment without answering what insufferable insolence she exclaimed fronting round again to mr o'donagough i am perfectly persuaded that there is no nation in the world where such conduct would be endured except this 
and i believe also she continued somewhat in a lower voice and preparing to leave the room i believe also that there is not another man in existence who would suffer his wife to be thus treated without resenting it you will get these things in the corner looked over next will you said mr o'donagough with the most perfect composure yes sir i will replied the man he addressed with such unalterable civility that mrs o'donagough began to suspect no scolding however violent could do any good and having fortunately arrived at this conclusion she condescended to take her husband's arm and walk off muttering however the whole way some very biting observations on the difference between some men and other men but mr o'donagough was in no humour to make a fuss about it and continued to whistle oh the roast beef of old england and oh the old english roast beef till they reached the hackney coach in which they had left their young daughter many papas and mammas would have felt some scruple if not a little fear at the idea of leaving a young lady of fourteen in a scene so noisy and so new as the street in front of the london custom-house but it is more than probable that they both of them knew sufficiently well the excellent condition of the young martha's nerves to prevent all notion of such idle alarms they found her as most likely they expected still unsatiated with the delights of staring at all the people and all the carts and all the horses and all the boxes which were passing in a whirling maze before her view well chicken cried her father inserting his face between that of his wife and the window of the hackney-coach are you not tired of waiting for us tired replied the young lady not i never saw such fun in my life what have you been doing mamma all this time it is a thousand pities you should not have seen all these people pass there must be some monstrous great arrival in england to-day i am sure mr o'donagough laughed i am glad you have been amused chick said he standing a little aside while his lady was getting into the coach and i should like very well to hear all you have got to say about it but you must tell me all when i come lor papa you ain't going to stay here are you said martha in a voice that betokened disappointment how can you be so absurd child said her mother sharply drawing up the window of the coach within exactly one inch of her husband's nose for god's sake let us make him useful if we can he is by no means too well inclined that way i promise you when a factious and rebellious spirit gets possession of a woman it gives her a degree of courage that is often quite astonishing mrs o'donagough knew as well as she did that the sun would rise on the morrow that however enduringly her husband might receive for a time the rebukes and scoffings of her contumacious spirit he would settle the account fairly with her at last and this with a manly preponderance of force which to any woman possessed of less audacious vigour of mind would have been really alarming perhaps indeed mrs o'donagough herself was not always entirely free from trepidation when these moments of retribution arrived yet it was very rarely that the fear of them was sufficiently powerful to check her conjugal vivacities mr o'donagough did not like having the coach-window drawn up within an inch of his nose and employing the skilful manoeuvre by which servants outside a carriage let down a glass forgotten by the ladies within he managed to remove the barrier thus interposed between himself and his womankind what the devil is the matter with you madam said he in a voice that caused more than one passing eye to turn round upon him don't tire me mrs o'donagough he added in a lower tone or by jove you may wish i had left you behind at sydney mrs o'donagough was at this moment very advantageously situated for receiving the burst of wrath which she knew had been accumulating during the last half-hour 
she dared not indeed attempt to draw up the window again but raising herself on her feet as nearly as the roof of the carriage would let her she sat down again in the corner with a degree of vehemence which made the crazy springs of the vehicle dip under her as if never to rise again and in lieu of her magnificent countenance presented so broad thick and seemingly impregnable a shoulder to her spouse that he felt he was worsted and showing his large row of still white teeth to his daughter as with a backward movement of his thumb he pointed to the massive shoulder he stepped back upon the pavement calling out at the same time to the coachman to drive to the saracen's head snow hill martha made a movement that brought her face parallel to the opposite window and her shoulders to those of her mamma's so that the laugh produced by her papa's facetiousness was not observed brute exclaimed mrs o'donagough as the carriage drove off oh my gracious what a beautiful bonnet that is and that and that cried the young lady as they passed a shop window shouldn't i look beautiful mamma with those green feathers perhaps you might my dear replied her mother and you must be as sharp as a needle patty i can tell you that to get what you want out of your skinflint father he'll be smart enough himself i'll answer for him for he is as vain as an old peacock but as for us and our appearance he won't care much i dare say and a hard tug we shall have before we can get anything decent out of him mark my words if we don't of her two parents miss o'donagough decidedly liked her papa the best but she was already much too good a tactician to let this appear before the eyes of her mamma she felt indeed her daily increasing power over both and as deliberately determined to make the most of it as if she had studied the curious and incalculable effect of skilfully applied domestic influence for years one means she had long ago discovered as beyond all others effectual in promoting this was the seizing of every safe opportunity of making each fond parent believe that she was quite willing if she dared to become his or her partisan upon all occasions against the other some idea of her acute and almost precocious talents may be gathered from the fact that she had already persuaded her father of her perfect enjoyment of all the ridicule he from time to time slyly threw upon his lady and her mother that she considered her as exceedingly ill-used whenever she failed of having her own way in every contest she fell into with her master and her lord mrs o'donagough had changed but little in her feelings and principles of action since the day when she arrived at the hotel at exeter with her niece agnes and betty jacks she still bore herself as one deserving of all deference and respect and called about her on arriving at the saracen's head as if nobody so great had ever driven under its awful sign before the first waiter who met her passed on exciting thereby her deepest indignation but at length her loud and dignified demand can we have beds and supper here produced something like the desired effect and she was ushered into a little dusky dirty upstairs sitting-room from the window of which however martha had the gratification of finding that she could look out upon the street it was the latter end of the month of august and no one perhaps but a young lady just escaped from the ship that had brought her from new south wales could have found such keen delight in gazing upon the hot and dusty precincts of snow hill to her however it was a sort of opening paradise in which she fancied she could dwell for ever without becoming weary what quantities of carriages mamma and oh good gracious the men and such bonnets and flowers if papa won't give us some money i'm sure we shall grow wild yes to be sure we shall replied her mother who with her hand on her daughter's shoulder and her head protruded farther still than that of the young lady hung over the pavement enamoured of all the metropolitan splendour she saw passing there london is a glorious place there is no doubt of that mamma said martha 
the finest in the world everybody says so and i am sure it is impossible to stand here and doubt it replied her mother but do you know patty i am dying with hunger i suppose your father would kill us if we ordered tea before he came i am sure it would be very savage of him to want to keep us starving here while he is amusing himself with all the beautiful things as he comes along replied the young lady well my dear if you have courage to face it i don't care he was in a brutal ill-humour when we drove off but i suppose if you tell him that you were feeling so sick and faint that you thought you should die he won't say much about it so if you feel courage for it i'll ring oh lor mamma i feel courage enough if that's all i'm sure i could eat a dozen rounds of buttered toast for my own share ring away mamma i'll stop papa's mouth when he comes you see if i don't thus encouraged mrs o'donagough did ring and her liberal orders given quite in the silverton park style for tea toast muffins eggs cold chicken and ham were obeyed with admirable promptitude and the mother and daughter had got half through the tea-urn and very nearly quite through all the edibles upon the table when mr allen o'donagough made his appearance civil and obliging upon my word he exclaimed with a touch of very natural feeling as he entered the room while i have been fagging like a blackamoor to get your cursed things through the customs you two sit down and devour everything that is to be had without troubling yourselves for a single instant to think of me if you say that you are a very wicked man because you will tell fibs replied his daughter we did think of you and talk of you too a great deal before we set to and it was i told mamma that i was sure as sure that you wouldn't and couldn't be angry just think papa the difference of sitting stock stone still up here longing for a morsel of food to keep soul and body together and being busy and blithe in the midst of all the beautiful sights like you have been while saying these words martha employed herself in preparing on one fork a huge collop of ham with a lump of fowl to match it and on another an equally full-sized morsel of boiled beef daintily covered with mustard now here's what i call two beautiful mouthfuls open your gills papa this one first cause the mustard is strongest well how do you like it very good is it i thought so now this and that's very good too it seems by your manner of munching it now say if i hadn't thought about you i told mamma i'd stop your mouth and all you've got to do is just say which you like best and more will come of it i'll be bound as soon as you order it there was something so exceedingly clever and so prettily playful in this device of the young martha to restore her hungry father's good humour that both parents were delighted with it mrs o'donagough got up laughing and rang the bell without being bid and mr o'donagough pinched his daughter's cheek called her a saucy hussy and said that he'd be hanged if there was such another girl of her years in europe or out of it End of chapter eight